Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, football fans, welcome back to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And we are back with another edition of what we are calling Joe Talk, and that's me, Joe Serpico. And on the other line, as always, it's Joe Broback. Joe, what's up, man? What's up, what's up? How you doing? Uh, I'm feeling great. Well, not feeling great as a Temple fan, but feeling great in the sense of we actually got to watch a lot of football this weekend. It was great. And there's only more coming this upcoming week. The NFL right around the corner, college football in full swing. So I'm, I'm, it's the best time of the year, really. Let's just be real. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. Now, I guess we will get it started. First, we're going to do some previews. Oh, well, sorry. We're going to do some previews a little bit later, but first we're going to recap a little bit what happened this past weekend was there was some good and there was some bad especially if you went to temple Yeesh. but we'll get into a little bit of that later uh i guess it's only appropriate once again since they put on another whipping and really proved that nothing's really changed even with a new coaching staff and that's ucf uh with a pretty sizable beat down 56 to 17 on uconn uh, they scored eight tds on their first 11 drives. I mean, all every one of them took three minutes or less. But I think, you know, obviously we were impressed with uh, UCF, but I think you and I can kind of both agree that a little bit impressed with what we saw from UConn also, especially Dave Pindell, a quarterback. I mean, I thought he was awesome. Well, and we, we knew what to expect from UCF, especially offensively. We knew they were going to score points. There was no doubt about that, but... It was UConn's offense that really surprised. Now I get they only put up 17 points, but they have, you know, they still have a few issues to, to work out, but for the most part, they, they looked really good on offense. Yeah, I was very impressed. Uh, he was, he being Pindell, he was able to make things happen with his legs a lot, which was, I mean, I guess that's kind of good and bad. Most likely means that the line wasn't doing that well, but he was also, you know, you know he's a mobile quarterback. So it was, uh, it was good to see something from UConn, especially since last year. I mean, we went into last year thinking UConn's defense was going to be all right, and that didn't turn out to be the case. And then headed in this year, we really didn't think anything was going to be good. So I guess it was kind of good to see the Huskies actually maybe win a few more games this year. Yeah, and we'll see also how UCF's defense holds up. Obviously, I kept hearing all these excuses from UCF fans about, oh, we never play well against mobile quarterbacks. Our defense made their offense look good. And I'm like, no, that their offense made you look bad. Pindell made – there were a couple of plays where Pindell, there was no way any Knights player was going to touch him. Mm-hmm. So that was just funny to me. 
Yeah, well, you know how it's going. And people are always going to be like, well, you know, they're playing down their competition. There's always excuses. Uh, we're really going to find out about UCF in the, in the next couple, well, maybe not next week, but the weeks after that, we're going to find out just how good they really are. And we'll dive into a little bit later how their strength of schedule really took kind of a dive based on some of the, some of the other AAC opponents. Um, the other game that happened the same night was the Wake Forest barely. Actually, let's just say, let's just say that Tulane really gave that game away because there was two different times where they probably could have came away with at least the go-ahead points and penalties derailed them and really cost them. Well, they had all the momentum in the, at towards the end of the game. They had they forced a turnover, went down to, to tie it at 17, and then the first the first drive of over well their only drive of overtime I should say they get a penalty and then stupid it's, penalty by yeah just um. But it's like they just look completely different, and just it was it honestly might have been one of the worst drives in football I've ever watched. Yeah, it was brutal, and considering the fact that Tulane they held their own against a Power Five team. Jonathan Banks, okay, so he still has work to do as a passer, but he looked so much better. Granted, his line didn't give him any time to throw, but it, he, I mean, that's what you get. I mean, that's fine. It's not good that he didn't have. Any time to throw, but he's a scrambler, so he's gonna give himself more time than a you know a not mobile quarterback. So that at least gave him some chances that other quarterbacks might not have had. But then you go to that last the last drive was just so disappointing, and then Wake Forest goes down and they just march it right down the Tulane's throat and score. It was just so anticlimactic. Yeah, you could almost see it coming. You know what I mean? Like especially the way the uh the game ended there with that false start penalty. I mean, if you really think about it, two two penalties cost them the game. As it really comes down to it, those two penalties. And you mentioned Banks. I thought you, you said it played a hell of a game. Um, two two long touchdown passes to Terrence, and I, hopefully I'm saying is it Incolod? I hope I'm saying that right. And who looked who was another guy that I mean we kind of talked about him a little bit in the uh, in the preseason, but he really held his own in this game. Yeah, he did. I well, and when I I turned on the game and I looked at the stats, and he was already over. I think he was at like 150 yards receiving already. And I was like, wait, this is Tulane, right? We're talking about the same team. It was just surprising. I had, do, I had to do a double take when I saw that there was a 52 yarder and a 74 yarder. I was like, yeah, this is Tulane. So then I then you know you look at obviously the passing numbers, and I was just like, eh, but that's about it. Right. Well, and we, t- you and I talked about last week. We said that it was going to be tough to find six wins on the schedule, and it feels like I don't think you and I thought this was one of those games. But now that you look at it, it this was one of those games that if they could have pulled it out, they have a good chance. But now it seems that the road's a little bit tougher now that they choked that one away. And yeah, choke is the perfect way to say it too. They absolutely blew it, and you said it. I, I don't see them getting to that that six game mark, and not because I thought that you know they would pull off this win, like you said, but it still seems like they're the same two lane team that's going to shoot themselves in the foot. Well, yeah, and what was the SMU game? They were an inch short. It was one drive that killed them, and now we're back to saying the same stuff, which is I don't know. It's just disappointing. 
Yeah, it really is. Uh, they they really had that game in the bag. Um, a team that did not have a game in the bag ever, and that would be those Temple Owls getting upset with Villanova Wildcats to lose the Mayor Cup. Villanova now owns the all-time series record, by the way. Really? Yeah, that's kind of shocking. Wow. Considering Villanova has never been a Division I A school. They've always been in the FCS. But they just flat out dominated. I mean, I watched the game in entirety, obviously, as a Temple alum. And, I mean, I had some doubts going into this game because I knew that Villanova was coming back with just about everybody, and they were a solid team, and they gave Temple problems last year, too. I mean, Temple barely escaped last year with a win. And this time out, Temple couldn't get anything going. I mean, they only scored one touchdown, and that's because they blocked the field goal and returned it back. That is the extent of the highlights of the day for Temple. It was honest, it was honestly it was embarrassing. Considering the fact that some people thought that Temple was going to be a sleeper team, and I warned people, I said, you know, if you look at that schedule down the stretch last year, it was pretty soft. And, but I also didn't expect Frank Newtow and Raquel Armstead and all these guys to just lay a dud like this. I thought they would come out a little bit better. It honestly looks like they're the same team from last year. You know, the running game is struggling. The defense keeps them in the game, and the quarterback play is very below average. And that's not what anybody anticipated, especially with how Newtown was playing towards the end of the year last year. Yeah, really shocked me. I was I was really shocked, especially with Newtown because he never, ever looked comfortable, not once. A lot of balls under thrown, you know, hitting the ground. I mean, it just didn't seem like maybe they were playing down to their opponent. I don't see how you could considering the fact that you, know, you barely beat that team last year. And then they really – Offensively, especially, they really just laid a whooping. It was it was really surprising to see Temple's defense get worked like that. Yeah, I mean they gave a bunch of yards, but they only gave up what nineteen points. So I'm not. It should have been a lot more. Uh, well, Villanova. yeah. Villanova obviously had the blocked uh, the blocked field goals, and that was a huge swing there. And for a minute, it looked like Temple was actually going to maybe you know pull away with the win. Yeah, the momentum kind of shifted in their favor. But then there was, you know, those two picks in, a, in it by Newtown in the last, I, I want to say, yeah, it was the last two drives. I mean, that have obviously killed it. But overall, it, it was a bad game, like real bad game. And other than ECU, you got to say that right now, Temple might be the worst team in the conference. I don't know. After SMU looked pretty bad. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into them in just a little bit. They're a little bit further down our list. Um, the other 12 o'clock game, and I know we, we were chatting a little bit about this in our Slack channel, and that was Houston needed to get it going in the second half because they were trailing 24-17 at the half, and actually 27-17 at one point in the third. And, and finally, Derek King and the offense got it going in the third quarter. But it was one of those things, that, I mean, we were – we were all in shock. Like, I couldn't believe Houston, especially me, considering I put them in the underdogs against the spread, I really thought this would be a game that they would wipe the floor with Rice, especially after Rice played pretty terribly the week before. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't ever like the excuse like, oh, it's a rivalry game, so the other team is motivated to play. I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to make of it, to be honest. The, I mean, Houston's offense did what they – wanted to do and I think once Derek King and the receivers got some chemistry it was kind of game over at least from the offensive perspective but it just seemed like the 
defense, I don't know. I'm going back to watch the film this week, but in my initial assessment was the linebackers seem to be getting beat and the secondary kind of looked uncomfortable. I mean, obviously we'll see, but I don't, it's, it's tough because it's week one. It's against the rivals, so you never really know. And the fact that Rice has already played a game, which I don't know how much that really affects how they play, but I mean, that's another disappointing game. Oh yeah, it was definitely disappointing. But you know who wasn't disappointing in that game? Ed Oliver. Well, I would I would be very concerned if he was if he tackles. was from a defensive tackle man. Thirteen tackles. That's just absurd. The guy's a monster. Three and a half for a loss. The guy's right. a beast. Well, and I love the people who are like, oh, it's against Rice. It's like he he can do that against anybody. Yeah. Yep, he can. The guy's a beast. He'll be the number one pick next year. For sure. Without a doubt. I've heard a lot of people already say it, so I think that's a, a lock, essentially. Um, we won't talk too much about this game because it was a game that we kind of anticipated to be kind of a, a one-sided game, and that was USF's 34-14 to win over Elon. Um, Blake Barnett got the start. Looks good, but, I, again, it was against Elon, so I guess we'll kind of just wait and see how things go. Uh, what do you think of the... Uh, the Bulls, because, I mean, obviously he's got big shoes to fill with Clinton Flowers being gone. Yeah, I think we just need to pump the brakes on the excitement here. Like, playing one game well against an FCS team, it doesn't really give you, you know, a reason to think that this team's going to be something great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, well, okay, we'll get to it later. I'll say it later, but Memphis looked a million times better than USF did. Memphis did look good. Memphis did look good. I think Memphis was the team that you said was going to score the most points, right? I did. I think, and you were, right? I'm just looking at the numbers all over again. I think you're right about that. Yes, they were. I know a thing or two. Yeah, a thing or two is right. A thing or two. I guess we'll just talk about that game real quick. That's, again, another game. I mean, we expected them to, uh, to blow them out. 66 to 14 win over Mercer. Yeah, Mercer is that team that got a lot of attention last year because they were on Alabama's schedule. And I guess it kind of just proved that they are definitely a uh, they're a pretty bad team. Let's just put it that way. But Brady White, his first game with the Tigers, 358, five touchdowns all in the first half. 56 points total in the half. 552 yards, oh, excuse me, 552 yards total, which was a school record. I mean, they looked pretty good. But again, the opponent really... It, it inflates those numbers a little bit. Well, yes, yes and no. I mean, they, they only lost to Auburn last year by 14. And I, when I was watching the game, the broadcaster said that they talked to Mercer's head coach and he said that while it is tough to beat a team like Alabama and Auburn, it's a different beast to play a team like Memphis because they're so explosive on offense. Not saying Auburn and Alabama aren't, but it's just a different type of offense that you have to be ready for. And, I mean, you can make – Memphis had plenty of excuses. They had a, they have a young defense that was inexperienced last year. They have a new quarterback coming in, and they have to replace Anthony Miller, who's the best player probably in the school's history. And they didn't look like they had any issues whatsoever. Brady White, his first two incompletions were drops. I think he started like a nine for nine and then – he had two drops within his next like five passes, so I don't know. They 
they were up 21 zip before it, the first quarter was even over. And then the best part is on the ensuing kickoff, they did an onside kick and re- almost recovered it. That's ballsy. I didn't know that. I like that a lot. And then, of course, Mercer's coach got pissed about it, which, whatever, dude, it's the first quarter, you're in college, there's no more, like, mercy rule garbage, stuff like that. Ah, if there was a mercy rule, they could have put up even more points. I mean, 56, they scored 56 at the half, and they only scored 66 total, so I would say they're pretty lucky. I would agree. You you were almost on point. You said they might score 100. If they didn't let off the dogs, I really might have. They probably would have. Um. Let's just go through two more FBS versus FCS games that we have here. Tulsa with a 38-27 to win over Central Arkansas. Uh, Luke Skipper had himself a solid game. Two touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown. But I think what really stood out to me is the two running backs each went over 100 yards. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. It's. Uh... I mean, I understand, again, the opponent, but... 100 yards is 100 yards. You don't see that as often in in football these days just because you see a lot of these systems with two backs, and these guys, they did it with two backs. Right, which, I mean, I didn't really expect their offense to be the problem. I mean, again, like we said last week, I don't really expect a ton of offenses to be a problem. It's, you know, the other side of the ball that we're worried about. Mm-hmm. And then finally, ECU. I mean, let's just do it. ECU with a 23-28 loss to North Carolina A&T. I'm not surprised. Let's just put it that way. Not surprised whatsoever. I said before that last show, this is their one chance to win a game. They didn't do it. They're not winning a game this year. I mean, I'm not going to argue against that because... We're not going to win a game this year. And you'll see at the end of the show what's our what's our way to uh, finish the show out. We got a new way to close the show out. You guys might enjoy it a little bit. Well, unless you're a fan of ECU. It's just crazy how bad this team is. It really blows my mind. I mean, like, I'm not... They, this it's is one of the things, second year in a row they've lost to a, a FBS team to start the season. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, we're not surprised, but at the same time, we are. You know? You expect better. And you, so, not to just like to go too far down the rabbit hole, but like when you see Liberty, who just came in, beat up on Old Dominion like that, and you're like, well, why can't ECU? You know, I mean, ECU is still kind of, I guess, fairly new to to the higher level, but like they've never been competitive. Liberty is already looks like they could be they're going to be somebody that can compete at least a little bit. We haven't seen uh, that from ECU at all. Yeah, it's been a while, which is disappointing because back when they were, yeah, they were a powerhouse with, back in the deck. Well, it, you know, at the, the FCS level, but they were a powerhouse. I mean, even when Ruffin McNeil was there, they were they were still doing well. But I don't know, man. It's just tough to watch. You watch? Well, you couldn't pay me to watch that team right now. Well, uh, I'm just assuming I didn't watch the game because I didn't. Unless they're playing what, one of the big dogs, I don't think I'll be watching. What are you like? What are you gonna gain from watching that? You know, like there's, I'm not gonna learn anything that I didn't already know. They're terrible. You don't need they're to watch not, it. They're not good. 
All right, let's go through these last three games because they were all more exciting games. Uh, the first being Cincinnati's upset over UCLA, a 26-17 to win. Spoiling Chip Kelly's debut with the Bruins. Uh, Michael Warren, 142 yards and three touchdowns. I obviously didn't expect that. I don't think we talked about him at all coming into the season. Well, Jared Dokes is the guy, but it sounds like he's hurt. I thought yeah. maybe I saw he's out for the season. I could be wrong. Uh, I thought I yeah, saw that. Because I have him in my fantasy team. So I hope well, about I know that. that he they ruled him out before the game, but then, I mean, I just because I was wondering that too. I was like, why is Warren in and Dokes isn't? Because, I mean, you watched Dokes last year, and he was pretty good. He was Yeah, he was having a good year, but he wasn't in, so I looked it up, and it, it was on Twitter because, you know, Google has nothing, so you go to Twitter, which is like, you know, the, the most reliable. I don't know, it's like, do you go to Twitter or Wikipedia? Which one do you, which one do you go to for a reliable source? I go to Twitter and I look up a person who has that blue check mark. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's kind of hard when no blue or check marks check. cover Cincinnati, so. Yeah, but I saw a bunch of, yeah, I saw a bunch of tweets about they ruled them out before the game, so I don't know if, I don't know how serious the injury is, but. He at least was out. And then you see that Hayden Moore is not in the game, and they just pulled him. Yep. That's no surprise. I mean, he's never – first of all, he's, I feel like he's been there for about 10 years now. And There's like, a lot of guys like that in college football. Yeah, like he's literally been there for forever. And he's never he's never done anything to really impress you. So it's like one of those things, like you, you wonder why he still had the job. So it was only a matter of time before he got pulled this year, and they wasted no time. Luke Fickle literally wasted no time. I mean, he showed, like, flashes within the game, but he never plays consistently. And so when I finally got to watching the game, it was, uh, who was the guy that went in? The the new quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Yeah, he was in, and I was like, oh, who's this kid? And I mean... And he didn't do much either, though. Well, he did stuff in the first half, and then I don't think the offense as a whole didn't really do much in the second half, so... The defense really stepped up, which you and I kind of expected coming into this year. Yeah, the one team that we actually talked about defense coming in this year, Cincinnati. and A rare breed. Yeah, especially in this conference, for real. But just dive into Chip Kelly just a little bit. What do you think about the Bruins moving forward? Because obviously, I think, first off, uh, Wilton Spate doesn't fit the system to begin with, and yeah, he got hurt in this game, but it's just he doesn't seem to have the pieces to run what he wants to do right now. So I, I actually am, I mean, I don't think either one of us picked Cincinnati to win this game, but I am not too shocked about this win. I mean, I'm, I kind, I am, but I'm not because That's how I feel too, basically. Which, I mean, that sounds so easy to say, like, oh, I'm surprised, but I'm not, you know, because now we know the result. But I knew Cincinnati could be good. Well, I'll change it. I'll say I was surprised by this. I didn't really see them winning. Now, I I could see them being a contender in this conference because I like – maybe not – well, yeah. With what quarterback? Excuse me. What quarterback? I don't know. They, they figure out a way to beat UCLA. There's no way they should beat UCLA at any time, but especially not on the road. I mean, I can't argue that, especially on the road. Can't argue that. 
I mean, they you can argue they have the best defense in the conference and they only play one game. Yeah, but they are the best defense in the conference. We're not talking about defense for any other team in the conference. Right. I mean, there's, you know. Literally no other team are we talking about defense. Watch out for Memphis, just saying that. I'm saying that now. So when you are at the end of the year and Memphis is near the top, I told you so. Mm, that's a bold statement right there. They have so many guys returning. So that it's pretty much just based on that alone. And not based on a previous performance, but we'll I don't find know. out. We'll, we'll find, find out. out. You know who doesn't play any defense? Oh God, SMU. I told you. Yeah, they don't play any defense at all. I tried. Obviously, I, I feel like I was the only person hyping up SMU heading into this year. I tried to warn you. Boy, did they let me down in that first game. How do you go down? Thirty, I mean, thirty-six is nothing. And then they finally decided to wake up. They being the offense, because the defense never woke up. But Mason Fine just do whatever he wanted for North Texas. Just, I mean, it was like pitch and catch all day long. Yeah, if I'm Sonny Dykes, it's I got a lot of work to do because a lot of work. I mean, you you score zero points through three quarters, and it's not like they don't have the pieces on offense. No, that I mean that's the one side of the ball that we expected something out of. Yeah, Ben Ben Hicks was for the most part terrible in this game. Threw a pick six. He doesn't throw his two touchdown passes until there's a minute forty one left. He scores two touchdowns in the last minute forty one. Felt like we were watching the Frisco ball all over again. It was it was it was bad. It was bad. And that was one of those games where I like I mean, maybe we did Underappreciate North Texas a little bit. Man, I really expected like this to be more of a shootout than it was. I didn't expect this to be such a lopsided affair. Yeah, I just I don't I didn't know. see it at all. And it really makes me second guess what I was thinking about SMU heading into this year. I try to warn you, man. I thought I thought they could be I don't want to say be like UCF last year because UCF was a different breed, but maybe just I'll try to outscore teams, but not with that terrible defense. Yikes. Yeah, it was just, it was awful. It was so hard to watch. Ah, perfect. Another perfect segue you got, man. You know who's fun to watch? Hawaii. Yes, they are. They are a lot of fun to watch right now. Hawaii with a 59-41 win over Navy. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. How we were excited about what we saw from Hawaii, and we both could have probably saw this outcome coming, but the way they just jumped right out of the get-go all over Navy, I think shocked everybody. Yeah, mm, yes and no. I mean, here's the thing: Navy was the first six possessions. Uh, yeah. Like, and Navy was, was very gorgeous. average though last year on defense, and they had good. They had some some leaders on that team, and then now you lose them, and you take them off an average defense, and this is what you get. Yeah, Colt McDonald had his way with that defense. Had his way. Right, and it's not like Hawaii's defense was much better, but they're up twenty eight zip before you could blink. Yeah, it was. And then, for, as far as Navy's offense, I mean, Zach Abbey. I think if I think if I have it written down right, five carries, four of them for touchdowns. 
Well, yeah, because they probably... He's just pounding them up the middle, but still, I, th- I think that's a little bit... We didn't think of, you know, we, we talked about Abby basically supposed to be lined up a wide receiver. He's still getting his, though, when it comes down to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I expected him to still be a goal line option because, I mean, you look at his runs. He had a three-yard touchdown run, one-yard touchdown run, seven-yard touchdown run, two-yard touchdown run. Like, when they get down there... It, Perry's speed is only good for so far because they only have so much, you know, they only have so much real estate to work with. But Abby can run over anybody. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you use all three quarterbacks is kind of concerning. Yeah, I noticed that. I saw that Lewis even got some snaps too. And he's the best passer of all of them. Yes, he is. I feel like that's the reason why I was in. They were probably trying to play catch up. I think well, it was a little bit late at night, so I was not watching it. I watched now a little I, bit I, of it. I regret it now, though, because it looks like it was a fun game to watch. It was kind of boring right away because Hawaii got out to the big lead. And, I mean, you know with the triple option, they can't just come back whenever they want. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard for them to play in a shootout. Now, you kind of mentioned Perry. He basically did nothing. I mean, outside of the 75-yard touchdown run, he finished with 108 yards. You expect a lot more from your from your quarterback, especially in an option offense. Well, and then maybe that's why they use th- all three quarterbacks. Like, yeah, I guess we we just kind of brought it up. When you're trailing by so much, you got to bring in Lewis to throw the ball a little bit. Right. It's the only way you can play catch up. But even then, it seems like your offense is predictable. Yeah, very true. All right, you want to go through those power rankings that you came up with? Whoa, I asked for input. I may or may not have listened to it, but I asked for input. Where was my input? Well, you just didn't pay attention. I have too many messages on Slack sometimes. Oh, Mr. Popular, that's who you are. I wish I could say that. Wish you're the, you're the one with two podcasts, man. I'm just the one with this podcast. Just go with the power rankings. <laughs> Before I say something, I'm going to regret there. <laughs> you can always edit that out, so you can say whatever you want. Touche, but I'm a nice guy. We're just going to keep it going. We're going to say nice. We're going to say nice things about the 12 teams in the conference. <laughs> All right, we'll try. All right, I guess I'll just run through them first. Who does it really shock you that UCF is number one? Memphis right behind them at two. Houston is at three. USF at four. Cincy makes a jump to five. Where did we have them last week? Do you remember? I know they were in the bottom four. Mm, probably nine. Okay. That sounds, that sounds about right. Because Tulsa, UConn, and ECU are probably 10, 11, 12. Agreed. Yeah, you're probably 100% right about that. Uh, Tulane basically stayed around in the middle, which is what we expected after that game. Navy, same deal. Tulsa, I believe, was in the same spot that we had them last week. They really didn't do it. I mean, they we'd really learned nothing about that team this past week. SMU sitting there at number, I'm going to do this math in my head, number nine. UConn at 10. Temple, a well-deserved number 11. And North Carolina A&T at 12. Hey, you be careful. ECU is one win away from being 11 and Temple being 12. Ugh. <laughs> Temple loses this week. I might lose my mind. 
you didn't lose your mind after this game? I I told you last week. I actually thought that they would be that would be a solid challenge for them. I mean, I did, don't get me wrong. Um, not on air. There were some things going on in my house, throwing things. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. There was some throwing going on because it's still obviously a rival. It's still Villanova. I mean, Villanova is usually who we're losing to in basketball, but it stings a little bit more when it's football. Especially yeah. when I, especially when I found out that they took over the series lead, I was like, man, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> That's anyway, embarrassing. It really is. Well, don't let me, don't let me go too far into this. Cause I'll go all day. Let's talk what's, what's ahead this week. Let's do it. And we just talked about SMU a little bit and they're in, you said it before we started here, they're in for a huge beatdown this week. Take it on and of course, I ripped this part of my paper, so I don't know the ranking for TCU right now, but they are a 22-point favorite against SMU on Friday night. Game's on ESPN2. 22 points? That sounds about right. And actually, they might do a lot more damage than that. I feel pretty comfortable taking the over. Well, I don't know what that number is, but yeah, whatever that could, whatever that might be. Yeah, TCU will probably get it by themselves. Yeah, that, that's probably a pretty solid bet. I should have looked that one up. I, I forgot to write down over unders for all this week. I put all. So you said TCU is minus twenty two. Yep. That seems like an easy pick, even yeah. if they are on the road. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you there. I mean, it's still in state, all that. TCU looked pretty good last week. Granted, it was against Sutter. And SMU still can't play defense. And SMU still can't play defense is more why I think TCU is going to wipe the floor with them. We'll find out. Now, you know what's going to be a fun game to watch, actually, this week? That'll be that Arizona on the road at Houston. Going to be two exciting mobile quarterbacks. Khalil Tate for Arizona. Looked okay, I guess, in that loss to BYU. BYU figured out how to shut him down running the ball. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. And then, I mean, it was little or too little too late come towards the end there for Arizona. They couldn't really make the come back with the deficit there. But I, it surprised me a little bit that it, Houston's a four-point favorite. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, considering you know, there's a lot of hype around Tate, a lot of people think maybe he might be a Heisman contender. I I don't see why. But there was a lot of people saying Wait, that. Wait, what? Are you serious? There were some people saying that heading in the year, yeah. That, no, no, you're serious? You don't believe that he's a Heisman not for not for Arizona. He plays for Arizona. In so what? So what? Ah, nah. Dude rushed for three hundred twenty some yards last year in a game. Yeah, that's one game. Well, yeah, yeah. It's one game. So we, so we can turn around and hand. You want to hand Cole McDonald the Heisman right now? Well, right now, if the season ended, I'd give it to him. Who else are you taking right now over Cole McDonald? Well, he's played two games, so it's not fair. Well, you, I know, but play my game. Entertain me. You're the one always asking the questions. Now I'm asking you a question. I'll go with Brady White. Touche. Mackenzie Milton. I got two guys right there. They're just, they're just nah. games that are, I mean, not games that are lives. Well, yeah, Milton tied a career high. Five touchdowns. Dude, no. Cole McDonald. Not even a question. 
I mean, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I can make the argument for those two guys too, and I'm sure yeah, there's and plenty you of other make... guys around the country that I can make that argument after one game. Khalil Tate has Heisman ability. I'll just say that Heisman ability. I agree. He's on the wrong team. You're not. You're not wrong, but I'm not going to say you're right either. Pac-12. Pac-12 is terrible too. Yeah, but if they go, I mean, Johnny Manziel won the Heisman on an eight and five. Texas A&M team, which I get there in the SEC, but if Arizona goes, I mean, it's uh, it's a long shot, but they go 11-1, and one, and Tate has 1,500 rushing yards, he's, he's going to be considered. They lost to BYU. We're not, let's not talk about like BYU. I, I, know, I, said it, I said it was a long shot. BYU is nowhere near what they used to be, even like five years ago. Oh, are they? They're 1-0. Something's wrong with you tonight. But it's more than Miami can say right now. Touche. You know, you know who is right now? Georgia Tech and South Florida. Georgia Tech is a three-point favorite, which I guess Good. doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, that's the way it should be, I think. But, again, a game that wouldn't really stun me if somehow South Florida managed to pull off the win. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Georgia Tech's a solid team, don't get me wrong. But maybe Barnett is the real deal. Maybe he is the uh, predecessor for, for Clinton Flowers down there. I don't know. He looked, I mean, he looked good in the first game. But here's the thing with Georgia Tech. I've seen that they probably are the team that no one really knows. Every year. I never know about Georgia Tech. But like this year, I thought I saw Amazing had them ranked 25th, and then the next article I read about them is is Paul Johnson getting fired. I'm like, how do you go from someone thinking you're a 20 top 25 team, and then the other one thinking your coach is going to get fired? I don't know. They're very unpredictable, man. Take one, Marshall's fun to watch. Yeah, it'll be that. That's. Between the two games that we just talked about, which one are you more looking forward to? Uh, Arizona-Houston. Yeah. I think there's more talent in that game. I have to agree with you. I agree with you 100%. You know, I get, I get Arizona's not like – I would rather watch Arizona than South Florida right now. That's because of the quarterback. Well, right, yeah. It's, I don't know. South Florida is probably fourth of those four teams, the teams that I want to watch. All right, let's just keep going through it. Buffalo will travel into Philadelphia to take on Temple. And Temple, coming off that disappointing game against Villanova, is a five-point favorite, and I cannot figure out why. Buffalo, Buffalo is a good team this year. They are. I Tyree agree. Jackson is pretty good. I think he's a quarterback that doesn't get enough attention. He's hard to miss, too. He's six seven. It's hard to miss on the field. And Anthony Johnson, his favorite target, is hard to miss as well, simply because he torches secondaries all day. I mean, Jackson just had six touchdowns in his last game. I know, but he only had 189 yards passing. What's right? up with that? I, couldn't, I saw that, too. 
Not just a bunch of dinky dunks, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's the opposite of, you know, usually, like, if a guy has, like, 500 yards passing and only two touchdowns, the running backs have, like, five of the touchdowns. But they have, like, the opposite, apparently. They just run the ball all the way down to the goal line, and then Tyree throws a jump ball or something. It's, it's got to be something along those lines. But, again, five-point favorite for Temple? I don't understand that. You're going to win people some money, it sounds like, this week. Well, I could never... Ever bet against Temple, and I'll no. You might have to, or suggest it. I'll do it for you. Well, I just kind of did, I guess, huh? But it will never be in written form. People will have to listen to this podcast to actually hear that. All right, another uh, game at at three thirty, just like that Temple game there. That's North Carolina at ECU. North Carolina is a sixteen and a half point favorite. They're coming off a loss to Cal. And all we need to talk about in this game is they're going to wipe the floor with these. Are they though? Yeah, they are. Are Marky's going to sell their Jordans to get suspended? Ooh, Nike's in the news a lot lately. But we won't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, let's suspend kids four games for selling shoes that you gave them as a gift. Apparently, what a joke. Uh, Do you know the NCAA, man? NCAA is a joke. Can't sell your shoes. Actually, I don't even want to make the Larry Nasser comment, but they can be, you know, Michigan State's got cleared of everything. No, no yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Let's not go down that route because yeah, that's a, that's a freaking joke. That's going to get ugly. Yeah. Anyways, I guess a more exciting in-conference game that we can talk about. Actually, I think it might be the only one looking. Yeah, it's the only one looking over the schedule now. Memphis on the road at Navy. Memphis is a six and a half point favorite. That seems pretty low in my eyes. That is one you will be seeing later on late this week. Considering the fact that Memphis, I mean, we just talked about their offense and how explosive they can be, and Navy wasn't even able to keep up with Hawaii's firepower, so what makes you think that they're going to be able to keep up with Memphis? Well, they're playing at home, and they've had some pretty notable wins at home the last few years. They beat Houston... Or two or three years ago, when Houston had, or maybe it was two, was it, yeah, 2016, when Houston was like fifth, they beat him at home. They, it wasn't a home game, it was the bowl game, but it was in their stadium. They beat Virginia. They stomped Virginia. They stomped so, Virginia. That was a beatdown. Yeah, so they, I mean, yeah, that's probably why. Virginia's not that good. Yeah, but, I mean, Navy, Navy plays well at home. So that's probably why. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think Memphis is going to win this one handily, but I'm also nervous about Memphis' defense having to stop the triple option and the unknown of how how good Navy will or won't be this year. Right. That's the thing about Navy. You never know what you're going to get every week with them. But I still think right. I still think that Memphis runs away with this one. Well, I, yeah, I I, th- I think so too. It, judging, I mean, compare the Hawaii's offense and Memphis' offense, and which one do you think is better? Memphis, without a doubt. I mean, Hawaii's looked really, really good, and they've surprised a lot of people. But yeah, I would agree. So it, I'm not. I'm betting that Memphis is going to win by a lot, but I'm not going to disrespect Navy like they're going to win. 70 to 0, you know. I won't complain about that. That'll be a convincing win for me this week. 
That would be surprising. No, I'm, I'm obviously kidding. There's no way that I could see that pulled off. All right, let's keep going. Uh, I'll just mention the two F- FBS versus FCS games. Um, South Carolina State travels to number 21, UCF. That game's at 6 p.m. on ESPN3. And then the other one is uh, Nichols will be on the road at Tulane, and that's at 8 p.m. on ESPNU. So just so we don't have to talk about this too much, either one of them going to lose? I don't think so. Nichols did, did just beat Kansas, so you never know. Kansas. Kansas. I would love to see Kansas play ECU. Because that might be... Garbage. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't watch that. Don't give me that. I would watch that. No, you wouldn't. Garbage bowl. Toilet bowl. Whatever you want to call we are, it. We had that last year with ECU and UConn, and you didn't watch that. Touche. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I, they were they're the garbage teams of... Let's just say the G5. I would like to see the garbage team of the G5 take on the garbage team of the P5. Well, that would be UTEP versus Kansas then, or San Jose State versus Kansas. Yeah, San Jose State. They are hard to watch. UTEP lost by 20 to an FCS team. Yeah. 20 points. They need to be knocked down. They need to have, like, soccer system where you get, like, regulated up and down or something for some of these teams. There you go. That would be, that's actually a solid idea. Name me commissioner of college football. <laughs> all right, let's go through all of the other ones. Texas will travel, or excuse me, Tulsa will travel to Texas. It's an 8 p.m. game, and Texas is a 22.5 point favorite. And I watched that Maryland versus Texas game. Because I live in Maryland, I am credentialed for Maryland games this year, so I'll be at a lot of them this year. And Texas was terrible. That's me being nice. Now, will they beat Tulsa? Yes, they'll beat Tulsa. But Texas is not back, people, and not even close. There's way better. I feel like it's. I think it's going to be a while. I think we just talked about another team in Texas that's a lot better, and I'm talking about Houston. They're in a much better state right now than Texas is. Yeah. Which Houston, I think Houston fans were, are going to like to hear that from you. Well, of course they are. They, they are not happy with Mr. Herman. That is for sure. But Mr. Herman's making himself a lot of news lately, too. And I'm talking about all that Ohio State stuff. Yeah. And not to go. He might want to answer those questions after losing to Maryland. Right. And not to go. Way down there again, but $600 at a strip club, that's kind of cheap in my eyes. Especially at Miami Strip Club. Miami Strip Club, that's kind of cheap, buddy. You and Zach Smith, that's kind of cheap. Oh, dear. But I digress. Other game, uh, Cincinnati, again, we just talked about earlier, is 1-0 with a a upset over UCLA. Taking on Miami, Ohio. A little bit shocked that actually... Well, maybe not considering they're a home team, but Miami, Ohio is a one and a half point favorite. Considering, that, they, considering they just came off the loss to Marshall at home as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think these two teams played last year, and the final score is seventeen to sixteen. I don't remember who won. I think Cincinnati won, so it doesn't surprise me. It's also a game where you have this big win. 
for Cincinnati. They beat UCLA on the road. Huge win. Emotions are super high. And then they play a team like Miami of Ohio, who's not the same caliber as UCLA is. But they maybe don't take them seriously, and that's why it's close. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who actually starts the game at quarterback, too. Like we, I mean, I know who it should be. I mean, I think we both know that. We'll be curious to see if they actually go that route. Yeah, I don't. Well, actually, I don't even. Well, yeah. Haymore shouldn't start. I'll just say that. He's done. Like I said earlier, he's done nothing for me in his entire ten years in college football to be deserving of that job. That's like Mitch Leidner in Minnesota. He starts four years and doesn't get any better. It gets worse. It, well, for real, because I feel like more of his freshman year was actually pretty solid. So you thought he was going to, you know, go on the tra- trajectory up, but anything but. Yeah, he's like one interception away from being just terrible every single game. Uh-huh. Hard to watch. And then the last game of week two in the AAC Got to feel bad for UConn, man. They get UCF one week, and then they get Boise State the next. Uh, Boise State is the team that we ranked number one in our uh, G5 top ten rankings, which shouldn't be surprised considering the way they beat up Troy last week. I honestly was stunned. I thought Troy would actually make that more of a game. Boise really laid it to him. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Boise State wins by more than UCF did against UConn because – Unlike UCF, Boise State can actually play some defense. Well, I'll tell you what that line is. It's 33 and a half. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a big number. Wasn't it 23 and a half for UCF? For UCF, if I remember right, it was 23 and a half. Yes, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. I took the over, and it was a winner. Hmm. One I mean, Pindell gives them a chance. So they have a shot, but... It's a shot to cover, you mean? A shot at scoring points, I should say. Shot to cover. They got no shot at winning this game, I don't think. I think we both agree with no. that. Especially on the road. Yeah, on the road. Late game. Because it's a late game, maybe I'll watch it. Since, cause I do like those 10 o'clock games sometimes, depending on how my Saturdays are going. But I like to sit home and watch those 10 o'clock games if, uh, if I'm still alive at that point at night. Yeah. They're fun to watch, but I think you kind of get all that excitement out. I guess this week's a little different because there's not as many premier games. What are the best games this week? It's Clemson, Texas A&M, USC, Stanford, and... Temple, Buffalo. Yeah, okay. Good joke. Some, I don't even... Some of us need to, it's like, I might, I might have a heart attack if Temple loses the second game. Yeah. Oh, Georgia, South Carolina, that's the, Ooh, that's that's the other one. game. Yeah, that's a good one. But, like, that's not, I mean, and then you look at the rest of the games, there's, I mean, there's not, there's just not the appeal like they had in week one. No, I agree with you. You think maybe they purposely planned that out because the NFL's the same week? Well, why does that matter? It's on Saturday. Yeah, but, I mean, there's all that hype. A lot of people this week are going to forget to even, I mean, not us, obviously, but there's some people that are going to completely bypass college because the NFL is here. That's fine. They can go watch the NFL and their stupid targeting and 
unnecessary roughness penalties. They get people fined and ejected. Yeah. Well, college football had a couple of those. There was there, there was a guy throwing out a temple game for Villanova. Couldn't believe it. Uh, this targeting rule sometimes I, I just don't understand. Well, and they can review it. That's I, there's been there were there was a game where I remember which game it was, but there's a clear targeting penalty that was not called, but they have an official that's supposed to be watching right just for that, and they can ping in and review it, and they didn't. And then there was another one that like the guy like grazed him, grazed the receiver with like the side of his helmet. And they threw a flag and reviewed and ejected him like it wasn't even a question. And I'm like, I don't understand first the rule and why it's so inconsistent. It's very inconsistent. I mean, the one that I'm talking about in the Temple game, the Villanova, excuse me, the Temple receiver, he was falling to the ground, so he lowered his head. And the Villanova guy is literally just standing there. The other guy, I mean, uh, it was Isaiah Wright was coming at I can't remember the defender's name, but he was coming right at him, and they basically, like, Wright's head hit the other guy's head, and they called the penalty. And I was just like, man, like, any time a helmet touches a helmet these days, we're going to get a flag. It's just absurd. Because this is still football. Like, if you're not going to let them hit each other at all, just tell them to trip each other by the ankles. That's the only way they can touch each other. Well, and the offensive guy doesn't get – it's like there's no responsibility on him to – well, that's, Keep his head up. Yeah, that's also true. The NFL is trying, but good luck enforcing that. Right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I hope that that part doesn't actually spoil the game of football. Yeah, I don't know. But all right, Joe. That's all we got for week one recap and a week two preview. Anything else you want to talk about before we end this good one? I think ECU is going to win this week. Are you sick? Probably. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. They're not going to win. I thought I was the one with the head cold. It sounds like you're something wrong with you. Something really wrong with you tonight. <laughs> All right. With that said, thank you for listening to this episode of the Underdog Podcast. Make sure you are following me, Joe Serpico, at Joe Serp. And, Joe, where do they find you? Uh, you can just find me at, at Joe Broback. Easy enough, right? We don't make it too hard for you guys. And then, please, make sure you're leaving us some reviews on however you're listening to the show, whether it's iTunes, Android, the website, however you're finding this, please leave us some reviews. And until next time, Joe, Scotty Montgomery still the coach at ECU. I think after next week, yeah. We'll see about that. <laughs>